0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Tim Prossel. You are about to hear an audio play that I wrote called Facing Sidonia." It was part of the Marvelous Boxes series produced by Decoder Ring Theater. After the show... I will be interviewed, so stay
2: tuned for that. This episode of the Dakota Ring Theater Podcast is brought to you by the mystery novel Blackjack Justice by Greg Taylor. Available now in both print and Kindle editions from Amazon.com. And while you're there, complete your Tales of the Red Panda adventure novel series. That's Blackjack Justice and Tales of the Red Panda. Get your copies today. A space, a place, infinite, endless. As far as the eye can see, row on row of shelves. On every shelf, side by side, boxes. Within each box, a puzzle, a person, a universe. Endless worlds of the imagination, all held Within these marvelous boxes... Marvelous Boxes, an anthology series of tales for the active mind. This week, facing Cydonia.
1: Devon Island sits in the Arctic Circle in northern Canada. The landscape there is harsh and barren, and the weather is relentlessly cruel. The island is one of the few places on Earth that approximates conditions astronauts would face on Mars. In fact, Devon Island's similarity to a Martian environment inspired scientists to build a live-in laboratory there. The station has strict rules. If one goes outside, one suits up, as if for an oxygen-deficient atmosphere. Contact with the outer world involves a delay of 20 minutes, about the time it would take for a signal to cross the expanse between the red planet and our own. While scientists there study the geology and microbiology outside the station, they themselves are analyzed, especially in regard to the variety of psychological stresses that accompany living in isolated, confined quarters for an extended period. The lab on Devon Island is, in effect, a dress rehearsal for those early expeditions to Mars that involve not robots, but human beings.
3: Shabby door. Hey, Debu. Manasha. You'll never guess what's broken now. Paging Debu. Paging Manasha. Please come to the airlock. Manasha, I found something you might be interested in. Oh, Debu.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Give me a second.
3: Hurry up! I found something.
4: Money. I'll fix the door. After I fix the centrifuge, and the gas sensor, and the pontal balancers, and the shower.
3: Okay, stop for a second. I found something. It's weird. Where's Manasha? She's gonna love this. It's like a shell, but a... but a weird shell.
4: Seriously? You found a shell? On an island? That is weird.
3: Yeah, hilarious. Manasha will appreciate it. Help me off with my tanks. The shell is... it's hinged. Hinged? Hinged. Flexible, like... Ever seen an armadillo? We had them back in Oklahoma. They curl up inside their shells for protection, but... This thing has a... The pearliness of a seashell. In fact, it's pink.
4: I'm thinking a lobster, then.
3: I thought that at first, too, but only cooked lobsters are pink. Where do you see it? Here, hand me my tanks. I think they're almost empty.
4: Holly, look at these gauges. These aren't almost empty. They're well into the red. You do know what the red part indicates, right? How long were you out there?
3: I don't know. My usual time, I think. Uh, Maybe I didn't check them before I went out. What difference does it make? I mean, they do have air in the Arctic. We are still in Canada, you know. I could just take off my pretend helmet. I
4: know. But we're not supposed to... We're supposed to follow the rules. Yeah,
3: okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So... No word, then? From Dr. Squires?
4: No. No word.
3: And we're still not hearing anything back from outside?
4: Nope. No word back. All part of the stress test, I'm sure.
3: But, how far are they gonna go with it? I mean, that's two crew members now who've just up and vanished? It's like we're on some shabby TV show.
4: You know, I've checked for cameras. I can't find any, but I picture Dr. Squires and Commander Panza watching us on a monitor right now, spitting out their beer as they laugh.
3: I didn't agree to this. Did you people hear that? I didn't agree to this.
4: Let's, uh. let's go to the lab and take a look at your shell. It's in the case, right?
3: Yes, it's in the safety case. I followed proper procedure. I whine about the rules, but I do follow all them. All right,
4: all right. Just asking where it was. No need to vent on me.
3: Sorry, Debu. Sorry. You got any hugs?
4: Sure. I always got a few hugs handy.
3: Happen to have any. um. <laughs>
4: Several of those.
3: Hmm. <laughs> You're a good guy. I could be a lobster, I suppose. Manasha will know.
4: But she's a botanist.
3: She'll know more about it than me. I'm just a dumb old geologist. Yeah,
4: and I'm just a dumb old engineer. But I still get to do all the work of a fix-it man.
3: Hey, wait a second. The shower is broken now?
4: Yep. Ain't this place marvelous? Something tells me we're not ready to go to Mars.
3: Hey, Manasha, Come out here and see what I found. Where is she?
4: In her room, I guess.
3: Well, she's going to miss the find of the century. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit for your scientific astonishment a marvel that will... Um...
4: Holly, what you have there is a rock.
3: But it was hinged. It flexed when I picked it up outside. It flexed.
4: It's a really interesting rock. I can see how you might think it was some kind of shell. The color's right. It's pinkish.
3: Those ridiculous visors. I hate those helmets we have to wear outside.
4: It's got ridges. The ridges make it look, uh, lobster-ish. A bit small, perhaps. Maybe crayfish-ish?
3: I swear there are ripples in those visors. And it's almost impossible to see anything undistorted close up.
4: It's a very pretty rock. Oh,
3: stop it! I really thought I had something. Never mind, Menasha! Where is she, anyway?
4: Probably taking a nap. She's been in her room a lot lately. I'll go see if she wants to see your scientifically astonishing rock.
3: You're hilarious, Debu. Hilarious! I honestly thought I had discovered that. So, Ugh shabby visors. It is a pretty rock. Interesting coloration. Not quartz. Must be more hematite. Not just as red as all the rest. What does it do with all this iron oxide up here? Yet another stumper, courtesy of Devil Island.
4: Holly, I can't find Munasha.
3: What? Well, that's not even funny. It's
4: not a joke. She's not in her room or the galley.
3: Well, check the bathroom. She's got to be in the bathroom. Where else could she be? We live in a shoebox.
4: You check the bathroom. I'll go check the
3: suits. Oh, God, no, 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 no. Minasha! Minasha! You can't... You can't disappear, too. Bathroom. She's in the bathroom. Hey, if anyone is monitoring this, please, please, please tell us what's going on. I understand, it's a stress test, but this is getting... just... please. Menasha, Menasha, Are you in there, sweetie? You okay? I'm coming in, alright? Oh, Manasha, where did you go? Commander Panza? Where'd you go? Dr. Squires? Where did everyone go?
4: Yeah, her suit's gone, too. Just like the others. She's supposed to tell someone. It's the rule to tell someone when you go outside. And she didn't tell either one of us. She's supposed to have told at least one of us. It's the rule.
3: David, honey, you're shaking. Here, let's go back to the lab. We can figure this out. We have to figure this out. It's important
4: to follow procedure. It's important if we're going to survive on Mars. And and more people than ever are planning to go. Brazil has a Mars program now. Russia, Europe, China. Even New Zealand started a Mars program before it went under.
3: Sit down, Tebu. Here, just sit down. Now, just listen. It's possible Minasha stepped outside a little while. Maybe she's just... I don't know. Collecting more soil for her seedling experiment.
4: But wasn't that your job?
3: Yes, but... Wait a second. She was determined to keep her seedlings moist all the time.
4: And are they still wet?
3: No. No, they're dry.
4: So she's been gone a while?
3: Seems like it. Okay, let's... Review what we know. We know that three of our team members have disappeared. We're pretty sure they each went outside since their suits are gone, but why suit up at all? I mean, let's say this is all planned. Let's say someone's... Let's say someone's coming to pick them up to see how we react. Why suit up? They could just throw on a jacket.
4: Maybe they're studying what happens if crew members don't survive the flight to Mars, or or die after landing.
3: Maybe. Or... Or... Now, this might sound absurd, but it's worth considering. I really need to turn off this music. Go ahead. All right, I know this sounds like a monster movie, but what if there's something out there, something dangerous?
4: Are you serious? There's nothing dangerous out there. It's an Arctic island. What
3: could possibly- Let's say a polar bear.
4: There aren't any polar bears in the wild. Climate change, loss of habitat, you know this. Gone the way of the rhino. But
3: what if there are a few left? I mean, what if they missed one or two on the surveys? They can't account for every single polar bear.
4: I very much doubt that three of our team have been killed by an errant polar bear. Certainly one of them would have seen it coming and run back in time. We don't wander that far. We're not supposed to, anyway.
3: Okay, we're just discussing theories here. Uh, What else do we know?
4: Well, obviously your polar bear started all of this by first cutting off all the incoming communication with the rest of the world. See, that's where I think we need to focus. Everything looks fine. The long-range communication equipment appears to work. The emergency phone appears to work. But we're not receiving. I think that's our best evidence that this is all deliberate. All part of their little experiment.
3: We keep coming back to that. The idea that this is some crazy stress test. So where does that leave us?
4: Looking for ways to cope, I guess. That's probably what the experiment is designed to explore. Not how stress is exhibited, but how it's managed. Maybe we should be asking why we're both still here. What are we doing that's worth studying? Meaning what? Well, the other just got moody and drifted off. You and I have gotten close, and that's helped us cope.
3: Very true. Hey, speaking of that, your bunk or mine tonight?
4: Look, I'm not at all sure I'd be able to. You know. Oh,
3: oh no, no, I'm not expecting that. I. I just want your company.
4: In that case, then, fine. Either bunk will do.
3: And until then... movie night?
4: Hey, how about a play?
3: A play? Where are we going to go to?
4: They gave us a bunch of live recordings of plays. I think it'd be great to squint my eyes and pretend like I'm a part of a large audience. (laughs)
3: That sounds good. I'll make dinner. I want to watch something upbeat, though. Did they give us any musicals?
4: Oh, please, I hope not. We have all kinds of stuff, though. We'll find something relaxing... Shakespeare, Moliere, Chopic, Prossel. Oh, no. 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 Holly! Uh. Holly, wake up! Wake up!
3: Oh, crap. I saw Dr. Squires. He was outside and he, he had taken off his helmet. He shouldn't have taken off his helmet. I, I guess we must have been on Mars. Oh, very ugly
4: just a nightmare
3: oh god it seems so real why are you oh I'm sorry I woke you up
4: you didn't insomnia I was just lying here thinking
3: snuggles please
4: <laughs> no other choice in these bunks could you uh, move your arm
3: <clears throat>
4: thanks hey sorry again about the play I should have known it was going to be depressing
3: how did it end
4: you don't even want to know. It's Arthur Miller, after all.
3: Do you think that could really happen? Could a mother's soul delude herself to think her son is just missing, not dead, even years after the war ended?
4: Well, yeah. I doubt that human nature has changed very much in a century and a half. But remember that her husband had sold the faulty engine parts to the Air Force. His greed might have been what killed her son. What mother could face up to that much trauma?
3: And the husband was her visor.
4: Her advisor?
3: No, her visor. Like earlier, when I saw the hinged shell, I really wanted to discover something important up here. And that nasty visor helped me see what I wanted to see. It's Cydonia, you know?
4: The face on Mars.
3: People see what they want to see. Until you find out it's not a face at all, just rocks and shadows. I bet you didn't know that Cydonia is one of the reasons I got interested in astrogeology back when I was growing up in Oklahoma.
4: Remind me, which one's Oklahoma?
3: Sits on top of Texas.
4: Oh, yeah. That area's where the great drought happened, isn't it?
3: Yes. Shabby aquifer.
4: Shabby water management, you mean.
3: I guess, but what's that old saying about hindsight? Okay, let's just change the subject, okay?
4: Fine. Is your family still there?
3: Mm, we finally left when I was 18. Hardly anybody's still there now. Between the great drought and the increase in tornadoes, agriculture and the Great Plains blew away. And just about everything else with it. But but I really don't want to talk about this.
4: Fine. Hey, here's something. I bet you didn't know that. Back in Halifax, I considered having a career in the theater. You? Not on stage, of course. I'm no actor. But maybe a behind-the-scenes technician. Even a critic.
3: Why, Deba Brata Sen I really don't know you at all, do I?
4: One might say I'm... Something of an enigma.
3: (laughs) just playing crazy. Tell me about your family. French, perhaps?
4: Oh, sure. The name gives me away, huh?
3: (laughs) I thought all you Canucks were French. What do I know? I'm just a good old Oki.
4: Indian on my father's side. Mostly Scottish on my mother's.
3: Have you ever been to India? Or Scotland?
4: When I was little, I went to India. My great-grandfather died, and he insisted that his ashes be spread in the Ganges. All I remember is how stiflingly hot it was. ...and the stifling poverty. But it was the land of his birth and all that. Funny. What?
3: Oh, I just got thinking about how I've always assumed I'd be buried in Oklahoma. We have pretty close ties to the land, too.
4: Powerful stuff, one's homeland.
3: Debu, I want to ask you something, but I'm really scared to say the words.
4: I promise not to make fun.
3: No, it's not that. It's... It might explain what happened to the others... Cebu. Yes? Are we... on Mars?
4: Oh, God, don't ask me that! We should both just try to... just go to sleep now.
3: What if we've been sharing a delusion? The whole team, I mean. I
4: said don't bring this up!
3: What if they were outside and thought they were on Earth. What if they took their headgear off, for instance? Those visors distort everything. I've come very close to taking mine off outside. We have to at least consider it. We don't have
4: to talk about this. It's impossible. People can't fool themselves that much. I'm an engineer. I deal with the physical. I see things for what they are. You're
3: a person. We're human beings. We fool ourselves, and especially when we're under terrible stress. And we have been under terrible stress.
4: It's part of a test. It's part of a... Tess, we're on Devon Island in Canada, where I was born. Okay,
3: yeah. We're on Devon Island. We're on Earth. Really?
4: Look, I can prove it. Get up. Get up. We're going outside, and we're not putting our suits on first. That'll prove it.
3: We can go outside, but we need to put on our suits. Just in case. What would
4: that prove?
3: Debu, you're so upset. Do, Do you think maybe we're on Mars, too?
4: Stop it. I can't... I can't stay here. I can't sleep. I need to do something.
3: Let's go outside, then. Let's go for a walk, but we'll suit up first, okay?
4: There's no point. Besides, it's the middle of the night. But
3: you just said... Look, maybe a walk will calm you down. Then maybe you can sleep.
4: We're not ready to go to Mars. Stuff keeps falling apart. I don't want to go outside. It's the middle of the night.
3: (laughs) Okay, okay, all right. You don't have to go outside, but... Debu, honey, tell me why you don't want to... What are you afraid you'll find out there?
4: What if... What if we went out there... And looked up... And saw...
3: No! No, sweetie. What is it you're scared we'll see out there?
4: What if we looked up out there... And saw... A big... Blue star... that doesn't twinkle...
3: I'm going to go outside. I'm going to check my air tanks, put on my suit, and see if I can spot Earth. And you don't have to come with me if you don't want to. No!
4: No. I'll I'll go with you. It's a reasonable theory. It deserves to be investigated. And uh, I'll rig up the inner door of the airlock somehow. Make sure we can get back inside.
3: David! David, wait!
4: I know why we're not receiving anything on the radio. It was Commander Panza. He told me to direct the signal to Resolute Bay. You see, it's, it's not a broadcast signal. It's directional. It has to be to work on Mars. You could never reach Earth otherwise. Commander Panza told me to direct the signal to Resolute Bay. He thought we were on Devon Island. He was the one. He was the one who got us thinking we were on Earth. We all just followed the leader. It's the crucible! Arthur Miller again!
3: Please, anything other than Arthur Miller, please. But, holy it's a play about shared delusions. It's set during the Salem witch hunt. Mass hysteria! I don't want to talk about shared delusions. I don't want to talk about drama or trauma or people being each other's visors. I've had enough of acting like we're only pretending to be on Mars. What are we unable to face? What terrible trauma? I don't
4: know. I really don't know. But we are on Mars. We know that. And... And there's a scan function on the radio. I can find out if there's anyone else here. There's gotta be. Ours was just one ship. Everyone was going to Mars. That I remember. Ours was just one ship. I could try contacting Earth, but it might take... It might take 40 minutes, 20 minutes, and 20 minutes. Much faster to scan. Holly? You okay? What's the matter?
3: Why would someone choose to see rocks and shadows instead of seeing... a face?
4: What? No, Holly, this is good. This is good. We know what to do now. Why Why aren't you doing anything?
3: You got any hugs?
4: I can't right now. I, I gotta try to see if I can contact any others. There were other ships. I'm remembering now. My brain, it's, it's like it it's bursting open. The Earth was a cascade. Disaster leading to disaster. Climate change, extinction, the great drought.
3: I don't want to talk about the great drought. No,
4: I I didn't mean just that. It was everything. Flooding and tsunamis. Stop it! Starvation and wars. Shut up! The Cascade. We really weren't ready. But we had to leave. If we'd had ten or fifteen more years, we could have been better prepared. But it seemed like maybe... If Earth wasn't going to be able to sustain life, we should try. Even if we could only go one way. It was a one-way trip. You know, so many people behind. You remember it now, don't... Holly. Why are you doing anything? Oh, Holly, I'm sorry. Here, I have plenty of hugs. I have plenty
5: Hello? Hello? Who's this thing? Can you hear me? You've contacted the New
4: Zealand Arab station. Please come in. Oh, God. Holly, there are others here. I, I have to apply. <laughs> yes! Yes, we're here. Hello? We're, um, we're from North America. You said you're from New Zealand. That's right. I thought you guys went underwater.
5: Well, yeah. But
4: just the land, mate, not the people. Of course. Sorry, I, I should have known. Uh, I'm from Nova Scotia. So, you know a few things about
5: rising oceans
4: too, eh? What? Yeah. Yeah, we all went inland too.
3: Oh, Halifax, I'd, I'd forgotten.
4: But how did you get the. Where did you get the. Fine in, how did you. How'd we get to Mars?
5: You joined with the ARAB program. Half our team is ARAB. Crew of
4: 12. 12? Well, originally 12. That's fantastic! There were only five of us.
3: Debu, I didn't know you had to leave your home, too.
4: Um, that... uh, That's Holly. Oh, I'm Debu. Debu Sen. So, where are you located? We're set up in the
5: the Olden Crater. Lots of good subsoil, I see. Not too far from the Brazilians. We've made contact with the Europeans and the Chinese, too. But not the Russians. Have you heard from them...
3: Is that why Commander Panza and the others didn't make it? Because they'd never had to leave home before? Holly, please. Pushed on stage with no rehearsal? Shh,
4: Holly. No, we haven't heard from anyone. We've been having... uh, We've experienced certain...
3: Adjustment difficulties.
4: We've been having difficulties adjusting. Not everyone made it. Sorry to hear that, mate. Trouble here, too. Trouble with all the crews, in fact.
3: Ask if they have a working rover.
4: Do you have a rover? Ours got damaged. Is there some way that you can come and get us?
5: Yeah, sure. We'll figure that out in in a bit. By the way, do you folks happen to have seeds? We lost most of ours when a storage model was destroyed in a windstorm.
3: Lost their barn in a twister? Sweet Jesus, I'm back in Oklahoma. Holly,
4: they lost their seeds.
3: And they have soil and water.
4: Uh, Sorry, yes. Yes. Uh, we have a ton of seeds, all kinds of seeds. Why, that's wonderful news!
3: <laughs>
5: Absolutely wonderful.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but we lost our botanist.
5: My condolences, Holly. If I may ask, what happened to your other crew members?
4: Um, well, uh, we're not entirely sure about that. One by one, they suited up and.
3: They decided to go back to Earth. They changed their minds. Tell him that they went back to Earth.
4: I can't tell him that. This was a one-way trip for all of us. It's what
3: happened. They suited up and they each wandered back to Earth.
4: I guess so. All right. Well, this might not make much sense, but... No,
5: no, I heard her. Makes sense. We've heard some of that here, too. The wandering off. I understand what she's saying. That's a good way to see it. He understands.
3: It is a good way to see it. They each wandered back to Earth. You said it yourself, Debu. We are not ready to go to Mars.
2: Marvelous Boxes Episode 3, Facing Cydonia, was written by Tim Prassel and directed by Greg Taylor. Andrea Lyons and Christopher Mott starred. Also heard were Peter Higginson and Tim Prassel. Join us next time as a man gets lost in a world of what ifs and maybes in another of our marvelous boxes.
0: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Tomahome.
6: I'm Jenny.
1: And I'm Tim Prussell.
0: And we're talking about your, your run on Dakota Ring Theater's Summer Showcase where you you had a mini-series of anthology called Marvelous Boxes. I did. Uh, I just discovered a minute ago that this is not your first decoder ring, though. You you did previous stuff?
1: Yeah, I actually had three earlier shows done. Um, This was when the Summer Showcase was very loosely constructed. There wasn't really a featured author or anything like that. I had The Magic of the Movies which is kind of my tribute to old time radio. Um, Bit of a horror story. There was one called The Crasher, which uh, an updated horror story, I would call it. That was actually performed in Boston just uh, last month on stage by the post-Meridian radio players. And then actually one, one that I consider kind of the trial run for Marvelous Boxes called Thinking in Ternary, which is a science fiction story. And involves a box, a marvelous box.
0: So we could, uh, like, assemble assemble our own half-sequel that's actually a prequel. You could. I'm going to do that <laughs> uh, after, after the show, because uh, I really, I, I, I heard all of these, or I guess it was over the summer these ran, and I was like, wow, these are great. And one after another, they were great. But I had heard all the previous stuff as well, and I just, I didn't connect it with you, I guess. Yeah. Um. Maybe I need to hit the hear the name five or six times before I get it.
1: Yeah, and it was probably mispronounced. That's
0: not oh, the first time that's happened. I, I've done it myself. <laughs> um, I mean, Jen, uh, Jenny, and Tam, you just heard these this week, right?
6: Yeah, for the first time. I had I didn't know Decoder Ring Theater at all before this week. So good. I know it's a travesty. So I'm really happy that I got to listen to them.
0: Well, a whole new world has just opened up for you. Absolutely. Exactly. I, I've, I've been loving the decodering theater for years and years and years. And uh, how did you how did you hook up with uh, Greg Taylor?
1: There was a file sharing site called the Cobalt Club. Um, and I think it's still around. I haven't been there in quite a while. But they, they share um, old, old time radio MP3s, which is legal because they're all in the public domain. Not all of them, but many of them are. Um, and I just got to know Greg there, I think, when he was in the early stages of creating the panda. And we would joke online and I finally got the courage up to say, Hey, would you like to do something a little bit different? I have a background in radio, I like to write. Um, what do you think? He was interested, and that's where those first three shows came in.
0: So you you have sorry. Oh, sorry.
6: Had you written radio plays before then?
1: Um, well, very, very tiny ones. I used to work in radio and I wrote commercials. Um and I enjoyed writing little mini dramas. Hmm. The the people who were paying money for those things actually wanted me to sell their store or their product or something and that that always got in the way of character development for me. <laughs> so I had to give that up. <laughs> But yeah, I, I started writing copy, as we call it, radio commercials. It's kind of like flash fiction. In a way, yes. <laughs> Go for a lap and mention the the client name, and you're done.
0: So, uh, are any of those uh, available online? The commercials? Uh, no, uh, the previous productions. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. They
1: were all commercials. I was being silly there. Oh. okay. Uh, yeah, but my my earlier radio writing is in commercials.
0: All right. Well, they, they some sometimes uh, you know there's a CBC podcast uh, show uh, about radio commercials, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're quite entertaining. So mm-hmm. it depends. Do you know the the one I mean? It's no, called I don't. Age of persuasion. Uh, persuasion. It's 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 really funny because CBC is a. Um, Commercial-free radio station, right? right? And there's a show about com- radio commercials <laughs>
4: mm.
0: on it, and it's 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 just a fascinating show because it it's a, not wholly about uh, radio commercials, but the the guy who runs it that's his job, it's his living is uh, advertising, and mostly he talks about his experience in radio commercials and uses lots of audio, and it's very rich, a very rich production because you do have to tell a story. And if it's a good commercial, it yeah, yeah. it tells something, it, like, it's entertaining, right? That's how you mm-hmm. you make it so it's not a, horrible. <laughs> it's, right, right. And, you make yeah. it somewhat entertaining instead of, bye, 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 now, now, now! Uh, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Uh, um, yeah, yeah. That was actually my approach, was to, to go for characters and um, explore characters and try to come up with characters that audiences immediately identified with and... Mm-hmm enjoyed but working within 30 second increments it's just it's too painful hmm. i needed well, more so things. i wanted
6: to, i would like to know more about the writing process i mean how do you, you didn't just jump i'm assuming from writing copy to writing radio shows did you write short stories or I are did, you a novelist of some kind um
1: some kind what <laughs> 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 um Well, I I mostly have written short stories, and I've been doing that probably since high school, and I've gotten a few things published. In fact, the the Marvelous Fox um, show Plotting for Perfection actually started about 10 years earlier as a short story, and that's, uh, if anybody's interested, it's available for download on my blog. Okay.
6: Um,
1: So I dabbled in short story writing. And I think this was actually before radio. Then I I got into radio for a while and that pretty much tapped all of my energy. I spent eight hours a day writing, so I didn't go home and write more. Um, But now I'm sort of coming back around to it.
5: Uh, Are you writing plays too?
1: Yeah, actually it's over this, this last week I wrote a, a mini play. We have a, there's a hospice organization in the the town, the Oklahoma town that I live in, and they're having a playwriting festival. Um, so I wrote a stage play for them. I have a few others on the side that just kind of haven't fully developed yet. Um, so, yeah, I've done some fiction writing, done some stage playwriting. And Audio drama writing. Right now, I'm working on a series called Vera Van Slyke, Help for the Haunted, which is <laughs> now uh, it, she's a, a ghost hunter in the early 1900s, and I'm offering those short stories on my blog too.
0: You're you're um, really researching the heck out of uh, the <laughs> early ghost. Uh, not uh, sorry, what are they called? Um, occult uh, detectives. Occult detectives, right? Yeah, um, I go
1: by a number of names, but usually "Occult detectives works yeah. pretty well.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's funny because when we talked before, uh, you were like you were talking about Fitz James O'Brien, and I I was on a really big Fitz James O'Brien kick earlier mm-hmm. this year. He's great. He is great, and there's a it, there's a ton of great material that's sort of been forgotten because of you know it's been a century or so, right? right. Um, so so your, your events like. Stories are up monthly? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to start over from the beginning come January. And it's, it's kind of a way to keep me writing. I think if, you know, if I have a story due at the end of the month, I will get it done. If I don't have that deadline, I tend to get lazy. Are we going to see an audio drama version? I certainly hope so. There has been some Yay. discussion about that. Um, and I think they'll actually translate the audio very, very nicely. I don't know if maybe I just somewhere in the back of my head I lean toward audio drama, um, but the short stories, as I think about adapting them to audio, I say, "Wow, that'll take half an hour um, they're They're ready for audio adaptation. Yeah. so all I do think that that's going to happen.
0: All of these uh, marvelous boxes are between twenty six and thirty four minutes or so, right they're They're not exactly half an hour, which I think is what the regular. um, I'm not even sure they are anymore, but the the Blackjack Justice and the uh, Red Panda I think are almost exactly half an hour. Right. uh, Mm -hmm. For some, I think he was planning uh, sort of a non uh, podcast. Some using them in some. Place other than podcasting like maybe on the radio or something right but i don't think uh you know when podcasting started i think people uh so thought you know it's a way to get onto the radio i don't think anybody's thinking that anymore it could, um, be. it could be
1: yeah we we do seem still a little bit locked into half hour audio dramas one hour audio dramas 15 minute audio dramas we do yeah. still kind of think that way but i think we are moving beyond that now and just well, letting the story be as long as the story should be.
0: I I, I like that there. There's so much in these these dramas. I mean, uh, any one of them. There's a lot of characters. Usually, uh, usually more. Uh, what you were saying, like a couple of them would be difficult because even though they're short, there's a lot of characters showing up uh, to adapt as a one act play.
1: Oh right, right. You mean the the marvelous boxes? Yeah, yeah. 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 A few of them I wrote with the idea of could this then be adapted into a stage play. And I think A Demon Once Removed is the one that really comes closest because it's 30 minutes of real time.
0: Yeah. And they're sort of in one locked place.
1: Well, coming it's in, in or- and exit rather than scenes changing. Um, so and I really wanted to play around with that. You know, could I tell a, a good audio drama with that premise? One set and characters coming and going rather than following characters around to different, um, the different scenes.
0: It's a great intro to the series too, because it, I, I think I became absolutely fascinated when there was that peripheral character that actually has a little bit more to do than, and has sort of a little personality than just, you know, nothing. Usually mm-hmm. if there's somebody, you know, walking in, carrying something, then they walk out, um, you know, they don't even get any lines. But there's the the assistant morgue attendant. No, no, uh, what's her name? Uh, Nicole. Nicole. And she's like, you're going to have to speak up. <laughs> and they're having like a little tiff uh, while, while the plot is happening. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. He didn't have to do that. <laughs> he didn't have to have that. But later on, uh, it you know, it pays off. And, and, and then I thought, oh, a gun. It's Chekhov's gun, and then <laughs> it did show up. It was, it was like I thought. Oh, he's not. Oh, he's not going to use it. And no, yeah, he did use it. That's, wow,
1: that's great. Thumb for drama. If somebody brings a gun on stage, it's going to be used.
0: Yeah, if the gun is sitting over the uh, <laughs> over the mantelpiece, you got to use right. it. Right? I love that. Right uh, I, I think I think uh, you, you know. There's a lot of uh, uh, humor in in the background. In, in what was the um, uh, remembering the martians that you've got a like a little snippet uh somebody playing greg taylor <laughs> right 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 <laughs> he's talking about um the, the red panda films right <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> it's an,
1: an alternate history but I, I was i was wondering how greg was gonna go with that i wanted to put a footnote on there that says greg taylor need not be played by greg taylor and sure enough, I didn't need the footnote because he didn't play himself, and the actor had a lot of fun oh didn't, yeah he
0: he, he didn't got go great mannerisms exactly <laughs> well okay you know his vocal mannerisms he's he's got sort of a oh, well like yeah. <laughs> he's got it, he's got a few uh, up, he's got some writing writing you know you say, oh that's great it's. Greg like it's fun. Yeah.
1: Actually Greg Taylor plays Orson Welles in that show. That's
0: right. He gave himself the Orson yep. Welles
1: job. He really does <laughs> yeah, he wasn't going to give that to anybody else. He told me. <laughs> that was his. That was his role. Everyone wants to play Orson.
0: Yeah, I I think it, one of the things that also makes these these so rich uh as stories is um you don't see it much in in A Demon to Move, but you see it in I think all the other ones. is is you don't start with a plot as being the only thing that needs to get on the stage. You love history. You're putting every yeah. little bit of history that you think is cool into right. a story that will help, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Frozen Words Thought, I think, is the best example. Of oh, that. yeah, just, clearly. Uh, it's, that's my period. It's the early 1900s. That's why Vera Vance-like lives in the, the early 1900s. It's just, I feel, sort of feel more comfortable then than in the early 21st century.
0: <laughs> but remembering the Martians in the same way is you know it's 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 an alternative history right, right. it's it's a alternative uh, they don't develop cars or something what what is it they oh planes airplanes yeah they don't develop aircraft because uh, why would so you need they do, to yeah. when you've got a alternative they have a
1: better form of you know, flight i guess you could call it
0: right um and so uh, like little little touches like um there was an all-black cast of Hamlet, was it?
1: Oh, um, well, um, I hope I'm not giving too much away. I don't think I am. But actual Martians arrive in, uh, in I believe it's the same year that H.G. Wells published War of the Worlds. And because the real Martians were very kind and very gentle, H.G. Wells got branded as a hate monger. <laughs> and it destroyed his career. Um so then, later we have Orson Welles in the Mercury Theater. So, what are we going to do with the famous radio adaptation of War of the Worlds? And it's an alternate history. So his Martian broadcast is really an all Martian production of the Tempest, um,
0: which you, you're, you're to, arguing is a is a alien in alien contact story.
1: It could be seen that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there is a a movie adaptation that is science fiction, but um, I, I, I that's one of the Shakespeare's plays that I'm not very familiar with.
1: Uh, well, it takes place on an island. There's a a sort of wizard Prospero, um, and people come to this island. So it's it's the interaction of different cultures.
0: So, so did the Mercury Theater do a? Uh, is is that a historical thing that there was a an all black version of? Um, um,
1: Wells on the
0: radio, yeah. Orson Welles, not
1: not on the radio. Wells did a stage version of Meth and cast it with all African American actors, and that was considered one of the things that really drew attention to him because it was pretty radical. Um, so I just spun that and made an all Martian version of The Tempest,
0: yeah. I I, I didn't, it it didn't sound like something you just make up for fun, it sounded like a piece of interesting history
1: yeah yeah it's a little wink at people who know a little bit about Orson Welles's history, and I actually do mention it. He was just repeating himself. Yeah. he had done Macbeth he's now doing it with the tempest uh, the,
0: the, this sort of related um you you got some heat uh, or something there's some sort of controversy over the names of the characters in facing Sidonia.
1: Oh right, right. Just a little bit of controversy. Um, please tell us. <laughs> it, it's, it's let's see. Um, I have to be careful because I don't want to ruin the story for people. But it's, no, they, they've just finished listening to it. You're right. I can ruin it all I want. Ruin <laughs> it, please. Uh, okay, I've got characters named Debu, uh, Menasha is another one, and I, I. As we now know, it's set in the future about 150 years in the future. And um, I figured that there would have been a lot of um, traveling around on Earth and that people going to Mars would be a very international team going there. Um, It's also a story about moving to other places. Um, So I wanted to give it a very culturally diverse feel. And I did that with the names, but apparently there were some people who – couldn't get beyond the names. They needed names like Dave and <laughs> Jenny. And <laughs> Sorry about that, Jenny. Um, There's
5: no time the yeah. names
1: like <laughs> Homie, <homemade>. Yeah, <laughs> um,
6: that's but, bizarre uh, that people uh, are gonna say. <laughs> and
1: and I was a little bit I was a little bit caught off guard by it because I thought that science fiction fans would be ready for that. You know, given the history of, well, of why Star is that
4: Trek, a, why was that a controversy?
1: Um. Some people don't like foreign names, apparently. Foreign from an Anglo perspective.
0: That's weird. Yeah. I, I, I thought it, I, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, I just thought, what a weird character. She's singing the person's name. is Debu Debu. She's just a happy person. She yeah. It kind of reminded yeah. me of Jenny, actually. Um, <laughs> that character.
6: And,
1: um, and I understand Jenny is going to sing us a song a little bit later. Is <laughs> that right?
6: I'm trying so hard not to sing the song.
1: <laughs>
6: Can we talk about boxes a little bit?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really noticing it the third time through. It's like, oh, yeah, there are lots of boxes. <laughs> oh, so yeah.
6: you said that first you wrote Thinking in Ternary, and that was kind of the precursor to the box idea. Right. So did you start out to write a box series? Like, Is that what, I guess, inspired you? And are there more box stories in you somewhere? <laughs>
1: Um, I forget exactly when it hit me to try to make all of these stories about boxes. Um, I think it was fairly early on, and that actually started to spark new ideas. Um, you know, what else can I do with a box that isn't conventional? Um, so, I, But I'm not exactly sure when that clicked into place to make it an anthology based on various kinds of boxes. Um, and I've completely forgotten your question. What was it?
6: Oh, I wondered if there were any more boxes in you.
1: Oh, <laughs> any me, more stories? <laughs> I don't think there are. There, there, I've been asked, you know, a few people have enjoyed the the um, anthology and they're wondering if there will be more. I don't know. I don't know if I can do another six.
0: I do another, are, another anthology. It doesn't have to be about boxes. But please do yeah. another one because I, I really enjoyed this one. First are are you an anti-box now?
1: Am I, what
0: are you an empty box um, <laughs> I hope
1: not. well right now I have ghosts coming out of me so okay uh, with a be events like so maybe I need to do some marvelous ghosts
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so let's uh, let's go through because I'm not hundred percent sure I've spotted all the boxes in in a demon once removed it's pretty obvious it's the right. the it's the right, switch, right? it's the the, right. It's the button you press, and then and then the ghost. The, it's not a ghost. It is a, a revenant. What? I don't oh, know. No,
1: that's a central question, and it's I have no answer for that. Okay, <laughs> okay. Answered,
0: It's a telegram. Um, what,
1: going on there? It drives Don McElroy, um, McElroy nuts because he's he's a very practical guy. He wants to mm. figure this out, but that was my goal was to give him something that he couldn't figure out.
0: <laughs> I, I like I like that it it didn't end that story didn't end where I thought it would end it you know a lot of times people have an idea and they just put it out there and then that's it and it doesn't go that extra step to think things through a little more mm-hmm. and uh, that that was that was the thing that made me notice this this series at all as going to be something interesting to watch now frozen words thawed where's the box in that that one's uh that.
1: That is the well, should you do you wanna to try to guess?
0: Uh, the wax it's, cylinder? No. It's the Edison wax cylinder okay. recording. Okay. So yeah, it's sort of box ish
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's it's you know, in its time it was a marvelous box. It's tripping. absolutely filled with marvels.
6: You know, I used to work in a sound archive and we had the whole gamut from the wire recordings to the wax cylinders to the yeah, so I I know what that box looks like. It's a it's a rectangle. Mm-hmm. It's usually wooden and painted green and yellow, right? I, I think that's what I remember. Oh, I, I don't
1: know.
0: about that? So, with frozen words thought, this this is a fascinating idea, and I've I've sort of seen um, a couple of things that you know I kind of think might have inspired it.
1: You know, yeah, what's there's
0: um, town hoax. The Piltdown Man,
1: folks? Yeah. That is, well, actually, Arthur Conan Doyle was involved in that. It was apparently somebody, I forget exactly the combination of bones, but it was uh, an orangutan skull with a human jaw attached to it, um, or the the reverse. But it was, in quotes, discovered um, and presented as the missing link. Um, some, some anthropologist was trying to advance his, his career. And, uh, um, so that's, that's actual, that's, that's the actual hoax from the, the time period. And I just sort of took that idea and said, well, what will my own hoax be? That's fairly similar. And that fits the audio medium. It's not a hoax. Is it? The, the Flannery recording? No, Piltdown is, is, well, Piltdown. Piltdown is a hoax. We say this, it's an authentic hoax. <laughs> uh the flannery recording um there might there might be a flannery recording out there but i wouldn't count on it oh well these these things show up it could uh, uh,
0: how how is it that arthur conan doyle you know is the most gullible guy <laughs> he's so smart and he's so gullible he, he's not sherlock yeah, holmes yeah.
1: no no not at all do you know about the uh, what is it? Uh, the not, not Covington, the fairy pictures. Oh
0: yeah,
1: I, I, yeah. I did,
0: Jenny, did you say that reminded me of that?
6: Yeah, because there's a movie I watched about Fairytale. it. I think yeah. it's called Fairy Tale. Yeah,
0: Fairytale. yeah, yeah. It's a great Good movie. It's fascinating. It's got, <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't play up the um, the uh, who's the skeptic in there? Uh, the um, I don't know oh, Houdini, Houdini. <laughs> Houdini. 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 Yeah, Houdini's yeah. in it and. And he—he's he, he, hell, yeah. That's right. And he tries to lead, uh, lead, lead him away, but he never—he never succeeds.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he he sort of realizes. I know that movie pretty well. Um, he he realizes nobody's being cheated, nobody's being harmed, and it's mm-hmm. okay to have a little magic in your life.
0: Yeah, but uh, I, I think he was sort of. Um, I, I mean that that's that's the movie's justification i don't think that that's uh yeah. his, his actual position right? right it's the justification for making a movie about fairies uh <laughs> and having having them you know flying around the screen
1: right right yeah they 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 took a lot of liberties i don't know that <laughs> he was yeah. actually involved in the the lee fairies hoax but uh, um he may have been he may have had something to say about
0: it a few years ago um there was a, a book by I think Terry Jones uh, called Lady Coddington's Pressed Fairy Book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Have you, are you familiar with this? It's, I am. Um, it's, um, it's a fun it's book. It's like um,
1: pressing flowers. You take fairies and squeeze them between the pages of a book. So
0: one of the one of the it's one of the Cottingley girls um, was upset at not being believed. So she writes this journal um, of. Uh, explaining, you know, that they're real. I know they are, and then I'll prove it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she goes out in the woods and waits for the fairies to come land on her on her lap while she's holding this book, and then mm. she slaps the book shut. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and the whole book's full of all these That's squished vicious. fairies that are like in various states of like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. Terry Jones, uh, uh, I think, is a medieval scholar. So. He, yeah, he, he he's a big fan of history too. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. So that picture of the Indian is fake on your blog from nineteen. No, that's that's true, oh, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's an authentic thing. Um it looks so pristine. Somebody like, recorded, it it looks very, very staged. Um, so I, I imagine it's staged, but it is it's somebody interviewing a Native American um, let's see if I can find it. Well, I know it. I put the um, link
0: in the Skype. Francis Dens- Densmore recording Mountain Chief, leader of the Blackhawk people. I would say it was staged for,
1: full for,
0: up for the yeah. photograph yeah.
1: So it looks very
0: it's staged. Not but... It's not like he's walking around like that uh, for <laughs> no. a, that's a I... special occasion.
6: Right. Yeah, and you can, that's the wax cylinder. You can see it in the picture. Mm-hmm. The needle going into the. There's a narrow thing in front of her hand.
0: Uh, so uh, do, are wax cylinders, like, temperature-sensitive? Extremely, t- yeah. You can't take them out in the hot sun. Jenny?
6: Oh, I don't imagine you would want to, but I don't know the answer, really. Yeah. Are they I mean, they, actually- they, they use them in the field all the time, so they must have had some level of protection. Yeah. But you store them in these um, containers that are the same shape, so I imagine that that protects them quite a bit. Mm. Can't get a lot on them though.
0: <laughs> uh, I was reading, uh, I think, on Boing Boing a couple of years ago that the, that the wax cylinder cases um, had a had a eula on the outside. By opening this case, you agreed <laughs> it would only be used on a Edison cylinder. <laughs> it was like
5: oh,
0: wow. it was like um, <laughs> you know uh, I agree. You know, <laughs> check yeah. I agree on this giant essay that we always <laughs> have to do now. Um,
1: yeah, I think it was kind of like Edison was very protective of his his inventions and his patents. And to,
3: mm-hmm.
1: You know, the, the French were developing motion pictures at the same time as he was. So there was all kinds of tensions going on there who actually invented the motion picture. Um, but, yeah, he was he was well, a bit.
0: He kind of He kind of started the whole movie industry because people had to get away from him to. <laughs> to move, they moved to Hollywood to get away from Edison, New Jersey.
1: In his, yeah, in his New Jersey westerns.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, we've we talked about demon once removed a little bit. Frozen words thawed. Right, and then number three is facing Sidonia. That's the one we've all heard.
1: The controversial facing Sidonia.
0: Yeah. Um. I. I. I think. I think it's. It's not controversial for that. I think it's. It's. Right. It's. it's it should be controversial for wow, it's fascinating, um, because you know you're switching back and forth of what's going on, and it's mm-hmm. like a mystery, right?
1: kind of, kind of, and that's in my mind, that's a small part of it there's 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 more going on. there is a bit of a trick to it mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that it's not just all about the trick that there's actually
0: you know, no, no no a little
1: bit more substance there than that.
0: It, it, it's, it, it's got a very... It's maybe the most science fiction-y of Yes, I, of would so.
1: I would say so. Yeah. Um, it's in the future, it's on another planet. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe. <laughs> it's hard um, to say. Uh, no, we, uh, we heard it, so yeah. we can talk about it. Uh, plotting for Perfection. Yes. Uh, this is also very science fiction-y in a certain way. Uh, right. Also, very—it it almost feels like a a femme fatale story with without the femme fatale. You know, <laughs> there is a femme fatale, but he's the femme fatale, right? He
1: is his own femme fatale.
0: Yeah.
6: This one, this one has my favorite line in it.
1: <laughs> what is that?
6: Talk about your retro causality. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I had fun writing. you laugh. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because that's the one that started as a short story about 10 years earlier and retro causality, all that stuff didn't exist yet Hmm. when I first wrote it. And so I did some more research on it as I was doing the audio adaptation and said, wow, look at how right I was. I'm a genius.
0: That's Um, amazing. Original short story online, you put it, scan it up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I started putting in terms like retro causality, which apparently is a term that people say.
0: Were you so, receiving photographs from the future?
1: Well, I'm not at liberty to talk about that. But.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is in a, Is this a magazine original publication? Yeah, it was. Science fiction and fantasy. I've not heard of this mag.
1: The early days of the personal computer, there was a, sort of a revolution on desktop publishing. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of what were called little magazines being produced. And, uh, you know, nobody made any money off of it. It's kind of like podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I, I started writing for them and I got this one published. Um, and then it sat in a drawer until. Marvelous Boxes came up again and said, hey, I kind of remember writing a, a story about a box that sends light like back in time.
0: So, in this case, our box is the camera itself?
1: Uh, or the whatever the gizmo is, the light accelerator. The okay.
0: Thing. Yeah, that, the, that's unseen, though. Yeah.
1: But it back in time.
0: But uh, I, I, I was thinking it was the box because, uh, you know, that's what a camera really is. It's just a box with a hole in it, right? Right. Um, right. Yeah. And he's still using old-fashioned uh, exposures, isn't he? Uh, film exposures?
1: It's, yeah, that is actually something that I decided not to confront because when I first wrote this story, it was before the digital revolution. Right. Um, so I just kind of didn't want to think about that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what his technology <laughs> is. is. All we know is he's getting photographs awesome. and messages from the future. And he's not happy with his life.
0: Uh, I think maybe we can need an audiobook version of that. We should uh, get your get your permission to get somebody to record that for us. That's right. I'd be happy, happy with that.
1: Awesome. I actually like the audio version much better than the, the the early version. It may be because I'm writing it ten years later. Um,
0: it's a great it's a great production uh, it's I love the way decoder ring does their thing it's all about the acting there's very little sound effects uh, mm-hmm. to get in the mm-hmm. way but they yeah. use the sound effects practically it's it's like you know you can hear the dialogue in between the the sound and it it works really great for setting up the story
6: yeah yeah, I'm very so yeah i really enjoyed it
0: theater of the mind in in a very uh in a in kind of a different way than um uh, sort of the old time radio. He's he's got his own style. Uh, great mm-hmm. nice.
6: And how prescriptive are you when you write the radio play for those kinds of things? Are are you putting them in there, or are they adding them?
1: Well, it's it's a little bit of give and take, and I think that's true with any um, dramatic production. As the director makes changes, and I've I've done some community theater and. Uh, so, you know, so I've, i as an actor, I have enhanced in quotes scripts. I've added things, I've left things out or downplayed. So I'm kind of, I write a script expecting that to happen, that mm-hmm. it's not going to be what I had envisioned it to be, and I actually look forward to that. Um, and I certainly trust Greg Taylor enough to to make the right choices as a, a director. But actually, I do have one blog post where I talk about that: how um, you know, writing a script and then sending it off and then having no input until I hear the final production. At (laughs) first, it's a little unsettling. Um, I said, "Ooh, why did they do that?" Or, "Ouch, why didn't I make that clear?" What I wanted there. I listened to it again, and I said, "Oh, okay, now I get it." And then by the third time that I listened to it, I think, "Wow, this is great. This is—you know—I really like the the changes that they made to to the script."
0: Well, you <laughs> sort of have to get used to your kid uh, going off and studying the things that they want to study at university, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Can't just run their life for them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I I have no complaints at all about any of the any of the production things. Not having read the scripts, but. Uh, mm-hmm. having listened to them i think it's i mean he he uses a very uh, it's not that many people in the cast even in a larger show you know the the um the sh- uh, show like aliens are mirages where there's um there's a f- fair number of people or right. or, or uh, what's um remembering the martians is it seems like there's 20 yeah. or 30 people in there uh, right. it, it's not that big a cast right he's he's reusing some of the people i think
1: I would imagine so. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's doubling up on roles.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it it doesn't it doesn't seem to. I mean, you can tell. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Christopher Mott or whatever. <laughs> if you're paying attention over the years, yeah. but Jenny, you and Tam, you guys don't listen to Decoder Ring a lot, right? You didn't notice uh, that they only have a cast of about 10 people, right? Did you? Well, I, I kind of noticed the same woman through the six stories. I I, I think, yeah, there was one woman um, who was in a couple of them very prominently. I not mm-hmm. remember her, her name. It's not uh, Clarsa nederlanden That's uh, Greg's wife. But It didn't interfere
6: with it for me, though. No. I don't know. No, I wasn't bothered by it. Hmm.
0: It's good stuff. Um, it it kind of reminds me also of, um, there's a there was a uh, very brief TV show uh, called "Scene of the Crime." It was an anthology show. Mm-hmm. They use the same cast every week um, to do like a some sort oh, of like
1: different stories.
0: Yeah, it's like a you know a theater um, troupe mm-hmm. sort of thing, except for television, and you pretty much didn't notice it because mm-hmm. you know, they put on a wig or <laughs> whatever, mm-hmm. and didn't really matter. Of course being an anthology show, it didn't do very well because people don't like anthologies. They like series.
1: Right.
0: I kind of um, miss hmm. anthology shows like The Twilight Zone. That was anthology.
1: Yeah. Or my yeah. Response, it's it's, I'm, it's I'm, unfortunate that there doesn't seem to be a place for them anymore. But, you know, maybe maybe audio drama will bring it back.
0: Uh, so, plotting for, for, for perfection, I think we, we've got that well understood remembering the martians this is this is um this is i'm looking at your wikipedia entry and you know you talked about the um uh ray Bradbury. Uh, he's he's got a couple of stories that are about racism and his right. his response to it so is that your sort of statement on on that sort of issue it's, it's kind yeah. of a, yeah it's not just racism, though. It's also like... Uh, it's
1: difference. It's just, you know, people who are different. Um, I mean, you can make comparisons to race. You can make comparisons to um, sexual preference. But it's it, in my mind, it is just a wholly different humanoid presence on Earth. And how will humans react to them? Um, will they be accepting or will they be intolerant? Mm-hmm.
0: There was actually a, a a slightly similar story on a recent doctor who um a bunch of boxes show up all over the earth and and it's they i think it was called the slow invasion or something yeah. like that and uh the boxes didn't open up right away uh but it turns out that you know they they go all over the earth and then they all open up at once it It's not exactly it's the so, sort of same start and a completely different finish. And Cybermen pop out? No, it was. I think it was just a another kind of uh, alien thing. But every box was different. Every every box had a different thing. So I I think you probably had yours out first, but they're not really the same conclusion, <laughs> anyways.
1: Yeah. And actually, I I think of remembering the boxes, it does have that sort of ending where I'm saying something. I'm not exactly sure what, but uh, (laughs) but primarily it's – for me, that was just the fun one. I just wanted to be goofy for a while and bring in Orson Welles and see what it would be like to – to have an alternate history, one where Martians arrived, and because they came on these teleportation devices, the, the, the Wright brothers got distracted and never invented the airplane. Hmm. Um, what other things happened? Um, you know, there's there's a space race from the the 50s and the 60s, but it's between the French and the English,
0: and, hmm. and they go to the moon using uh, using Martian fox. technology. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah, I was sad that all the Martians landed in the ocean because they hadn't done the research. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they couldn't know. Well, maybe they did. I I figured they they turned yeah. into fish people. Oh. <laughs> because they they they
1: that's the implication. Of yeah. The very,
0: yeah. I think I that's think true. I think there's uh there's also the implication that they're they're not really dead. That they that they are just integrated into uh, I mean, it's at least a possibility that they're integrated into the regular population, but we don't see them anymore because they are so much like us. I hadn't thought about that.
1: That's that's interesting.
0: It, it, I, I, I I like one of the things you said on one of your blog posts was about, uh, I'm open to uh, letting the reader do their own interpretation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, well... <laughs> But I think, it fit, I think it fits the facts. Um, you know, the, the implica- they are changing. Um, and the last one died out. But that's the last one that looked like a Martian. And they were changing their design. And we know that they can reproduce at will. So there's nothing pre- preventing the idea that they, they did so, or at least some of them did so quite quickly. Um, and evolved into their surroundings more quickly.
1: So there's a potential sequel in here.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think there might be some <laughs> I think there might be some logic problems with the if they're if they're identical, right? When they when yeah fu- fuse, they can't really evolve um, in a very <laughs> obvious way because uh, what is it? Mutation? There's no sex involved, so it's just mm-hmm. they say I'm going to make a few changes when I split here. Right, <laughs> they split. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure a biologist could have more to say about it.
1: Yeah, and I'm no biologist.
0: Uh, you, so you're uh, English prof, right?
1: Right.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: I was just going to say that my my job is encouraging readers to bring something new to the the stories that they. That they read, and so that's you know I, ha- I have the same philosophy as a writer. If if you see something going on, if you hear remembering the Martians, and you start to think, well, wait, there could be, you know, Martians on land, then I'm very happy. I that never occurred to me, but that's wonderful. Mm. Uh, that's that's a thrill to to see what readers or listeners do. Beyond what I did, beyond anything that occurred to me, because that means I told a pretty good story.
0: Mm-hmm. I, in uh, in your description of I think or blog, maybe it was a blog post after facing Cydonia came out. You were talking about what the meaning of the different characters' names was, and you're you're thinking about why why that would be a fruitful name. You know, like a a, a name that would uh, resonate somehow with the. Right. the with the reader even if he or she wasn't particularly familiar with the um with the you know Jacob right so if you're not a christian and you don't read or uh somebody who studies the bible and you don't know the story of uh Jacob then you know it just sounds like a name but mm-hmm. if 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 you are familiar with the story then you can say well it's sort of with his nature it's kind of against his nature it it just works it's, yeah, it adds it's, a level to it, right? For
1: for certain readers, and if if you don't get it, it doesn't matter. There's still a story there. That's right. They
0: still have to have a name, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Right. And actually, with that, I was very careful about the names in that one, and I wanted Jason, who's the grandson, to have a name that sounded something like Jacob, uh, because there is the potential that he will be the next jacob that he will turn sour the way that, that jacob does
0: oh i guess uh, that, I, i'm talking about not just, i'm talking about a demon once removed aren't i right
1: yeah yeah
0: okay yeah go <laughs> i got confused um, um
1: but yeah so so there's another way to think about names is that they, they jason and jacob sound fairly similar so there's a connection between those those two characters and if you don't catch it that's fine um, if you do, that's fine. If you if you see the, the biblical echoes of Jacob, great. Um, do what you can. I do make a quick mention of of that. Um, but if you don't, that's fine too.
0: So like Easter uh-huh. eggs. It's like a prize if you find it.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's a nice way to think about it.
0: I remember um, one name that I spotted on your blog a few times, and I think it's based on... Uh, the, um, the Frozen Words Thawed, uh, mm. it's Finbar.
1: Finbar, yeah.
0: Now, Finbar's an Irish name. Right. right, right. Um, there's a, a a very great audio drama um, called The Silver Tongue Devil. It's uh, out of uh, Ireland, and um, it's by an American uh, scriptwriter who works in, in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know, though, is that a show you're... No, no. In oh. fact, just jotted it down because I'm interested. Uh, well, um, it's uh, radio drama revival um, turned me on to that. That's the uh, show. that's kind of like um, uh, there's there's a couple of sort of anthology or not anthology showcase shows that mm-hmm. do do showcasing all the time. Sonic Society's one, and the other one is Radio Drama Revival, and um, it's part of the Diabolic Playhouse, um, which is a collection of sort of uh, devilish shows, I guess, <laughs> read, uh, not read, written by Roger Gregg. And Roger Gregg is a really cool audio dramatist who is very influential uh, on, on Radio Drama Revival's host. Okay. Um, and he does field recording. He doesn't do, like... Mm-hmm, in a mm-hmm. room, he he takes the microphone outside like they're doing a movie, um, and and it's it's very cool. So the Silver Tongue Double is is about it's sort of a musical, uh, kind of like um, along the lines of uh, your uh, Frozen Words thawed. It's sort of right. a looking in back. Yeah, it's somebody going doing a documentary about. Uh-huh. About a guy who appeared one day and became a huge sensation in Ireland and then disappeared, mm-hmm. and, and it's sort of like about a guy who made a deal with the devil and he went from being sort of a geek to, you know, uh, a ladies' man with a wonderful voice. And it's it's a it's a really fun uh, production. You should check it out. I'm gonna do my best to do that. So so that was not inspired by <laughs> I no. guess. Oh, haven't no, heard it before. I
1: heard the name Finbar long ago and I just it stuck in my head. It's yeah. such a curious name. And um every Friday on my blog I I put a quote from Finbar Kelly who I made up. Um and it's it's those are my it's kind of like a joke/haiku. slash haiku. Um it's just a quick quotation, um, hopefully funny, and I try to make it as concise as possible. It's just a sort of a writer's challenge to myself.
0: Thank you, friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other should know I'd decline an invitation to karaoke night without needing to be told. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you should make a thin bar Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's maybe right. So. Maybe so. so yeah, okay. see how many followers I get. I bet dozens of snowflakes are exactly like other snowflakes. Been it's like Steve, it sounds like a Steve Martin tweet. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think one of my favorites is, I think, therefore I get headaches a lot.
0: Or a conclusion should be drawn with a pencil, not a pen. So that's that's mm-hmm. wise advice. Mm-hmm. I should send these to Scott. He would love these quotes. That's that's oh, that's like uh, what a scientist would say, right? Could be. Yeah, shouldn't be set in 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 uh, stone. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think we're coming to a natural conclusion somewhere. Okay. Did we do the last one? Uh, Aliens are like mirages. Yeah. I think we talked about it, didn't we? I don't know. Not exactly. No, let's talk about it. Okay. That's one with with, the most boxes, right? Oh, Replicating
1: uh, boxes. <laughs> well, actually, there's only one box, but it it, it reproduces the, the the yup the upside down Y. This
0: is a this is a very um very I would I would have thought this would have been the most controversial one.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know. Didn't get much feedback
0: on that one. Really, really? Because maybe there are people who are afraid. I don't know. It's kind it's kind of um. It's an indictment. I'm just not sure what it's an indictment of. (laughs) (laughs) That's the
1: problem. That's why I I stayed safe with it. Yeah, I didn't really try to target any particular group. Um, It's really just the notion of our group is right and your group is wrong. And given that, you know, if you had the opportunity to eradicate the wrong group, um, would you use it? That's it's, about the, what, to, it's about the Republicans.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> hmm.
0: hmm. Or Democrats.
1: You, you could you could read it that way, I suppose.
0: Oh, uh, so so the, the, the yup uh, thing is, is is the American flag pin, I guess. <laughs> is that how it works? Everybody has to wear one or you get in trouble.
1: However you want to fill it in, you go ahead <laughs> and fill it in. Um, for me it's it's deliberately unspecific. Um, uh-huh. It's just any group that has the ability to to wipe out the people who choose not to be like them or who just aren't like them. You know, would they take it? Would Are we at a, a place in history, global history, where we can deal with people who aren't like us and have different fundamental belief systems, um, or are we... At a stage where we want everybody to be the same and to think the same, and my my answer to that is, well, I guess um, maybe I shouldn't say because it's
0: might... it's just not it's not uh, it's not simple. It's 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 like complex, and you can't you can't prejudge the answers.
2: Mm-hmm. I think no.
0: I think that's what you're saying is 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 it's you're not saying I know the answer. You're saying it's like um, it's complex. Yeah, or you know, if we had this power, would we use it? This ability to yeah, as you said, <laughs> homogenize the planet,
1: right? To make it more more uh, unified is how the the button pusher would phrase it. Um, planet, would we do that if that meant the eradication of people who make the the planet ununified?
0: Yeah, it should be a lot more controversial than it is. I mean, it's set. It, it starts since Afghanistan with a with a uh, somebody who. Uh, what are they called? They're they're not priests. There's a chaplains. They're called chaplains, right? right? right, right. And mm-hmm. it's a very curious a job, right? Because they they have to. Uh, I assume you researched this. Um, yep. You're not just saying it, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because it, al- almost everything I've read of yours. It, it, it's all lines up to be meticulously researched, so I'm just assuming you're c- continued to meticulously. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: not only researched it, but I checked it against the Canadian military oh, and really? the American military, and they both they both agree. So I was happy with that.
0: Oh, uh, our, uh, I I didn't notice whether it was which one was which in this story. Isn't that is is a lot
1: too. You weren't supposed to.
0: Oh, okay. it's, I, it's uh, American. Okay. Um, yeah, could it be. It could be either. But yeah, so. A a chaplain has to service all the faiths, uh, even though he or she is trained in one faith. Right? Mm -hmm. I guess they have to train up to do a little bit of knowledge on the other ones.
1: Right. This is a
0: very this is a very strange situation because in regular in the regular world. everybody is in their little box, right? You're a Muslim, and you're a Christian, a Lutheran, and you're a Catholic, and you, you're a Jew, and you over there, you're an atheist. Or, right. or right. agnostic, I think, was one of the characters that <laughs> makes the point of, mm. of arguing about, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, all of those little boxes, uh, the chaplain's job is to uh, be able to go in and out of each of them and say, they're all right. Which I think is a very yeah. funny, funny situation, yeah, yeah,
1: particularly for a, a religious person that seems to go against a a primary impulse. Um, and yet, what i'm I'm saying is, where are we at dealing with that impulse? Mm-hmm. You know, we seem to be living in a world of globalization. My sense is—I know this is terribly debatable—but my sense is we are becoming more respectful of others, more more tolerant and open-minded, um, willing to live in a world that is pluralistic rather than homogenistic, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope and so. that's playing around with—is—is is where where are human beings nowadays? You know, um, are are we going to push that button or not?
0: In a and also, you know, one of the things that uh, people are often tempted to do, and I think readers should do and authors should never do, is, is do the prequel. I think readers should always be trying to think what set up this situation because it enriches the experience. And I don't think authors should ever do that because it never enriches the experience. But, um, like, what, was this, what were the circumstances that led to the situation you know of finding a box in a cave in afghanistan right how did that box get there and uh what happened on other planets where this Mm. box landed those questions are fascinating to look at but if you look at them in another story i'd be disappointed with your answer whatever it would be i'm sure because i've never been happy with prequels that writers have gone in and written they always ruin it i think
1: yeah, I would. I would tend to agree. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they're in the story. They they talk about evangelicals from outer space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not particularly interested in their story.
0: No, but you you gotta wonder what their motivation is, right? Right.
1: Well, it, it, yeah, it's it. evangelicals. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. But okay. they're teaching some truth. But the right, truth right. in they're... this case is like, there's no real truth there. It's just a. It's just a symbol, right? it's right, it's, it's, right. it's 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 very fascinating because um if you if you look at what people say you know we need to convert you so that you can go to heaven they they have a whole mythology built up but in this story there's very little mythology it's just a little a few pictures right. and people make some conclusions based on those pictures and you've got the the symbol of that mm-hmm. and if you got the symbol you're good
1: well there's also something that is at least approaching a miracle going on.
0: Absolutely. But Every time they open it. So yeah. there
1: there's some force behind seeing that, I would imagine.
0: But even so it doesn't come with a like a a doctrine, right? Like right. you have to you have to jump through three hoops and have the special <laughs> oil uh, on your feet or anything to get the cross. Uh, sorry, yeah, not yeah, the I cross. I, I meant I didn't mean to say the cross. I meant to say the yup. There you go. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I see what you're saying,
0: and yet, and
1: yet, um, you know, the the power of aiming toward a more unified world, you know, that's that's a pretty strong impulse in people. Um, but I'm wondering if it's if it's less strong now than it was, say, during the time of the Crusades.
0: Well, uh, it, what what tends to happen though, in mean, if we look at the the history, is that they. They start off as a unified group, or at least u- unified enough to start conquering. And then uh, once they've sort of developed, uh, it started, starts breaking up, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then they can fight amongst themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, whether the up should be turned to the left or the right on the chest. Because <laughs> yeah, the, no, the the left same. is the right yes. way and, and the... And, wow. Yes, that's see your point.
1: That's very true. <laughs> That's probably human history in a nutshell, right there.
0: Pretty much. I'm just happy it wasn't a cookbook at the end. <laughs> yeah, I've read that story. Some of them have an interesting narrative structure that maybe Jenny would like. Like, uh, doesn't the perfectionist one have like a lot of time jumps and? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, place jumps. Right.
1: Yeah, actually, that's that's one of, I think one of the reasons why I like the audio version better than the, the prose fiction version is I start in one point in time. Then I go to a flashback and then once the flashback is done, I come out at a different point in time rather than returning to the in quotes present. Um, and that was fun. That was something I did with the audio that I, I suppose I could have done it with the short story, but I didn't. Um,
0: yeah, I, I like that none of the uh, none of the stories really rely on other audio dramas that are this sort of uh, implying terms. There, there's you know, there's some familiarity in in terms of direction, like especially with the remembering the martians it's it's a documentary right it's Mm -hmm. it's it's gonna have a certain format frozen words thought is kind of like that too but i mean especially starting off with the first one you get you get uh like what what's what's going on well it doesn't doesn't explain everything to you to death it lets you participate in the experience of finding it out and it's not it's not inconceivably difficult to understand what's going on. It's just, it doesn't baby it for you. Here we are on the planet Mars, and where <laughs> are we? <laughs> and yet, uh, yeah, it, it it works marvelously well on. Oh, hey, see what I did there? Marvelously. Hey, I, ooh, marvelously. Marvelously well on, uh, as an audio drama. Well, thank you very as much. It's a box set. Ooh. <laughs>
1: awesome. See? It wasn't such a bad title, was it? Marvelous oh, box.
0: Yeah, we we talked about the title being not particularly uh, yeah. awe-inspiring.
1: It's not the twilight. <laughs> it's not X
0: minus one. Oh,
1: marvelous box.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't understand why X minus one is a good title. Anyways, <laughs> Dimension X is slightly better. X minus one, not so good.
1: Uh, it, it's, it's, we talked about this when, um, before the before our conversation here, um, but yeah, we we really struggled with coming up with a, a title for the anthology, and that's a tough thing to do. You know, we, we might have gone with something like "Frozen Words Thawed" and other stories. Um, mm-hmm. But, but um, Greg Taylor and I talked about that forever, um, and we just couldn't come up with anything.
0: So I'm I like not, the yeah, I'm not, intro too.
1: I'm not disappointed with marvelous boxes, but it just it doesn't have that punch.
0: No, it it doesn't have a super punch. But it, you know, in Hollywood movies, these days they're going with one word titles. It's like we're mm-hmm. we're putting the final nail on the on the topic of whatever it is, and and it's like no, that wasn't the final nail. That was that was that was something old. So <laughs> yeah, uh, titles. You know what? They can grow on you though too. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah it doesn't it doesn't have a, a super punch from the beginning but i think it it works it works especially after you know you've heard all six yeah and i think that's why we settled on it
6: well and tim said he's more comfortable with the beginning of the 19th century and the word marvelous seems very it does. it's a, very good for that time period <laughs> ring doesn't it <laughs>
0: Marvelous Contraptions. See, that would be more of a contraption. Is it? That's,
1: that's very steampunk.
0: Yes, steampunky. <laughs> that's the steampunk version of this
1: yeah. series. Maybe that'll be the next... <laughs>
0: <methodology>. Steamy Contraptions. A little too on the nose there.
1: <laughs> yeah. That'll take decodering into a whole different area.
0: Hmm. I'd like to see what he would do with it. I, I don't. Uh, my argument about steampunk is that it doesn't work... Uh, as fiction, it only works as visual. It it, mm-hmm. it looks it's cool to look at, but I've never read a story that I said, "Oh, that was great." I just say, "Well, there there actually is a really good series, uh, television series," and I keep telling people this, nobody cares. There's a a Canadian television series uh, called Murdoch Mysteries, which is set in the late 19th century, and it has. Tons of steampunky stuff, but all the steampunky stuff is actual stuff that was happening at the time, you know, like telegraphy and uh, Babbage computers and electrical cars and all the things that were really happening at that time. If you look at it a certain way and you sort of narrow your focus a little bit, it looks exactly like what they talk about steampunk mm. a little less steam and a little more electricity. Um, Nikola Tesla and Edison and all of the the things that are happening then are very steampunky if you put them all in one show and that's what they do and it feels like it but it's such an accurate show it doesn't look like a steampunk show it just Uh has steampunk elements in every episode. Did you
6: mean to say late 19th? You said late did you say 1900s or 19th century?
0: Late 19th century
6: Okay (laughs)
0: <laughs> Not late 1900s. Uh, but like, like in the, the most recent episode I watched, um, they have uh, iMail, which is instant mail, which is you hook it up to your telephone, you, you type into it, and it sends uh, a, a message to another machine that's hooked up to the telephone. It's basically email, right? Um, but it's, it's using telephone technology. And it, there was such a stuff. There was such stuff. They had, uh, they were beginning wireless technology back then, and they and this is just using regular wired telephone technology. That's not hmm. on America, is it? I
3: guess
6: that's.
0: I think it's on somewhere. It's on. It's on.
6: Uh, it's on I- Netflix. I just found it.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. It's on the Pirate Bay, so you can get it if you really want it.
6: <laughs> or you can pay for it in Netflix.
0: If, if it was on <laughs> Netflix honest. in Canada, you could get it. But remember, we don't get most of the things you get on your Netflix. Your Netflix is much better than ours. Yep. We have uh, 16 documentaries on pot and three on animals. I don't know why we have so many pot documentaries, but we have a lot. We have very poor selection on Netflix. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's probably not your fault, Tam.
6: I guess that'll just let you listen to more podcasts and radio shows. Absolutely.
0: Nice, nice trying to save it at the end there.
6: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> I don't All right, I think, I think we're wrapping okay. up here.
1: Do we want to go out with a song? I was promised a song.
0: <laughs> yeah.
6: No, I'm sorry. I can't sing that song due to copyright restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> um, Can you
0: comment? Jenny. Jenny. <laughs>
6: Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. There you go. That's all you get. <laughs> <The instrumental laughs> it's gonna be in your head for days. <laughs> it's, it's pretty I have no
0: idea uh, what that is. <laughs> it's, it's the theme song from Weeds. See, other oh, uh, pot and weeds. Uh, come on. Hey, I'll find. There's
6: a now. version, Tama. I'll find you a version with oh, Walk Off the Earth, where they made instruments out of cardboard, all cardboard boxes, mm. oh, that's and that's sang the, boxes. the song
0: it's okay. boxes same connected marvelous Find boxes Netflix. this has been the SFF audio podcast please join us at www.sffaudio.com